Yeah, I guess. I mean, they took well, that. Don't, don't play the moral high ground with me. You was going to count the bloody iguana that was in a. I didn't know it was a zoo. Garden. Hello, I'm Nipper Reed. And I'm Phil Wolf. So, settle down, have a nice cup of tea, and enjoy the Venomous Exchange Radio Podcast. Crumpets, Nipper. I want the crumpets. Well, as you've been such an extraordinarily good boy... Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a little while since we last spoke. Um, I'm very lucky to have the rather wonderful Philippe Wolf with me again. Hello. Hey, ben, how have you been, mate? What's been going on? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, soaking in this atrocious summer heat. Oh, please. It's July here. It's the height of our summer, and it's torrential, absolutely torrential rain. Oh, I, I'm, I'm getting rain every evening around five or six o'clock for like two hours. And then I get a billion percent humidity for the for the rest of the night. So I'm, I'm swimming well, in it. I've sadly had to cancel. I was supposed to be going to Zamos to find or to try and find uh, Vipera xanthina. Nice. U- nice. Europe's, lo- Europe's largest viper. I've seen it before, but um, some of my friends haven't seen it. So we, we were going to do a trip to try and get that. There is absolutely no point. Most of Greece is on fire at the moment. And yeah. the te- temperatures out there are just absolutely ridiculous. There is no herping to be done. So sadly, that'll have to wait till next year. I have to make do with our Florida trip, which yeah. is coming up very, very soon. Faster than you think, man. I'm so I'm, excited. I'm really excited. You know, I know we've just been talking uh, before, but for me, it's completely unique habitat to start field herping in yeah i can't even think of somewhere i've been that will have a similar habitat other than maybe borneo um but yeah certainly i mean i've only done two or three actually done three united states trips but they've been desert there's no it'd be amazing coming to the swamp baby yeah see some amphibians oh yeah yeah. See, hopefully, see some rattlesnakes that I haven't seen before. It'd be, uh, it'd be great. Well, and and you're going to be coming in a little bit early, so I get to kidnap you and take you to some spots in the south where we're not going to be staying with the other NPR boys. So we'll try and get more ticks on the list. You know, hundred percent. I'm super yeah. excited. I mean, to be fair, I know it's it's old news for you, but if I see an alligator, I will lose my shit because <laughs> you're going to see a lot of alligators, man. <laughs> well, you say that. Until I've seen one, but yeah, no, that'd be that'd be mad. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then we've got the uh, the trifecta. We've got the pygmy rattlesnake. We've got the coral snake. We've got the well, pain breaky type things. Eastern Atri- diamondbacks. Atricodatus for life. Yeah, uh, eastern diamondbacks as well. That would be very very cool. It's going to be great, man. I'm fucking stoked. I really am. But uh, it's funny because our guest for this episode. Uh, also recently did a, a North Florida trip, from what I gather. Um, many of you on the Instagram may have seen his amazing photography. Uh, with us tonight is Jack, the road trip monster from Instagram. What's up, Jack? How's it going? Dude, the photos, the yes, species. The photos. It, they're killer, man. It's, it's, it's just, well... Yeah, <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's it's kind of funny you say that because I don't. Th- 
think of myself as much of a, a photography guy. You know, it's sort of a means to an end. I love documenting what I see. Um, but yeah, it's it's always kind of nice when I when I get that feedback. It's it's a great compliment. But I'm really out there just trying to find snakes and in uh, other wildlife. So um, over the years, I've kind of fidgeted and fumbled through the settings and the gear. And I, I kind of am proactive about learning before I go out. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate the feedback. It's it's nice to hear that because I do spend a lot of time and hours trying to get good shots. And uh, yeah, I do my best. Well, put a pin in that. We'll come back because I've got lots of geeky questions for you. <laughs> but first of all, why field herping? How did you get into that? Man, I... I think my earliest childhood memory was probably flipping over rocks and, and looking at bugs. And I was always just really into Tarzan and, and Steve Irwin. And, and um, you know, your, I, who was your Tarzan? Tarzan was just, it was, it was an animated Tarzan. So I, uh, Oh, he's no. talking about Disney Tarzan. He's no. younger, he's younger than yeah. God, yeah, such a millennial. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Um, but Not that Johnny, was, Johnny that Bush was my Tarzan. My dad oh, okay. did show me the old, the old Tarzans where they had kind of like almost a film movie. Um, so I got exposed to that a little bit, but thank God. Yeah, no, I just, I've always been drawn to the outdoors and, and to wildlife. And at some point along the way, um, I found myself catching green and knolls. I'd get all the neighborhood kids and convince, okay. convince them to go catch lizards. And, and I knew about snakes. I just was never finding them. Um, and one of these days, you know, I, as I got older, I started stumbling into them in my backyard and things. And I thought they were just so, so cool they just got my adrenaline pumping and they were they're all neat and different colors and at that time I really didn't know anything about them and um I think I kind of just started doing my own thing I started getting into sports and other hobbies and I think around like sixth grade fifth grade uh YouTube came up and I found some videos of what was called herping I'd never heard a word for it before I just knew that I liked snakes. And um, so when I found out there was this whole community of people that all liked the same thing that I did, it really sparked my interest. And I started researching all the different species and like really getting into it, you know. Um, and then, of course, I think uh, I took a big break during the college years and a lot of high school. I was a soccer player and, and really focused on that and uh, drinking and hanging out with my friends. So I kind of lost touch for for a little while there but when i graduated college i moved to las vegas um a lot of people might know me formerly as las vegas wildlife on instagram so that was when i kind of made a life decision um not to pursue wildlife as a career but to make it a really serious hobby and put some time and effort into it and develop an instagram page and kind of you know, just do it on the side as something that, you know, a passion that I can kind of hope maybe one day might turn into a career. But um, yeah, so it's sort of my my side gig for right now. But it's awesome. Definitely, definitely where my passion is at. Now, do, do forgive me because uh, I'm not good with American accents. Whereabouts are you? Are you always from Las Vegas? Is that, are you born and bred Las Vegas or? No, I was born in the Houston area and 
I went to college in Fort Worth over at TCU, and then I I graduated and moved to Las Vegas for about two and a half years. Oh, okay. Yeah, I took you, a job you, out there. But you're, you're back in Texas now? Yep, yep. It's been, it's been a good two, three years now that I've been back in the Houston area. I, I bought a house, backed up to a, a greenway, and um, I'm just getting settled in and, and finding snakes whenever I can. That's great. So you, did you, you said you did quite a bit of herping in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. Okay, that's interesting, because I've just come back from Vegas Oh, cool. Um, I didn't herp in Vegas itself because we went over the border into Utah. Nice. I was just wondering what sort of species you were finding in Vegas. First of all, Las Vegas, for anyone who hasn't been there, is absolutely tiny. It's. I thought it was going to be the, such a massive place because it's so famous. And there's about three people that actually live in Las Vegas. It's well, tiny. I mean, the Strip is famous, you know. Yeah, that, that's yeah but everyone it. in the world's heard of Las Vegas. It's just like the holiday mecca place. Yeah. And it was tiny. There's about yep. four houses and a casino. That's it. There's that's because they don't want you. They don't want you to leave the casino. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what what sort of because it is? I mean, it, it's hardcore desert. What sort well, of species? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. I, uh, that's one of the reasons why I loved it is it's uh, you can drive right outside the town and you're in remote, remote, you know, yeah. no man's land kind of deal. Um, and that's changing a little bit. That's that's sort of an emerging theme. But um, back to back to the reptiles and stuff around Vegas on the on the western side. You've got panamint rattlesnakes on the eastern side. You've got speckled rattlesnakes, and they're sort of like an integrated zone. I never found anything that was mixed, but um, Gila monsters are rare but possible. You know, Mojave rattlesnakes, western diamondback rattlesnakes. Of course, you got the Serastes, um, Sidewinders. And then, you know, you pretty much got like most of – I wouldn't say there's anything extra in Las Vegas that you, you couldn't find um, in California or Arizona. But it's got all the basics. You got the Fearnos, the Horn Lizards, um, you know, all your different Colubrids. You can even get Mountain Kings like, um, you know, an hour or two north. And also you can get Great Basin Rattlesnakes about 45 – minutes to an hour north that don't quote me on it but something like that nice yeah i I was lucky enough to see uh pyros and the great bison rattlesnakes just like into utah nice just the pyros incredible wow see i didn't even i i knew they were out there but i didn't think they were like findable (laughs) i mean it took us probably an hour to find them so you know that wasn't easy but you can't, you can't say it like that jeez <laughs> yeah, you stumbled across them in about yeah, an hour in an hour <laughs> it's was, it was tactical it's completely planned yeah, but yeah. so dark you know almost really? almost you know more black than anything else just absolutely stunning really that's really cool beautiful. that's great uh, and the latosis the variation in the latosis from site to site yeah it's amazing you know you've got the what did you call them? Orioles, cookies and cream. Yeah, cookies and cream, man. Yeah, cookies Those and cream. Are my favorite. The cookies and cream um, latosis. But also, like, sort of almost more um, prairie rattlesnake, green face. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And that yeah. can't be more than a couple of hours away from Vegas. Yeah. No, that's, that's one of the great... 
I mean, a huge factor for why I moved out there was you can drive a few hours in any direction and be in some of the coolest national parks and just land that, that our, our, uh, entire country has to offer in my opinion for sure um you know it's just it's just a great central location vegas itself you know isn't maybe the number one top top destination but you still have valley fire state park you got red rocks you've got mount charleston which is like this uh higher elevation area where you can see elk and mountain lion and things like that um and then of course you drive like i said a few hours in any direction and, and you're in california you're in arizona um, you can go to the Grand Canyon in a few hours. I mean, it's just it's just really well located. That's great. Yeah, now, yeah. were you in in Vegas proper? Or were you like in Boulder or? I was right on Fremont Street, like oh, on wow. the street. So yeah. it was uh, it was <laughs> it's a funny time period in my life. A lot of a lot of friends vid- visiting and drinking and getting in trouble, but uh, also trying to like get my life together and be a business guy and. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was a fun couple of years. You know, I was just figuring it out, getting my feet underneath me. Nice. That's cool. Nice. So and then you've moved home to Texas. Yep. So I forgive me. I've never been to Texas. It's on my list. Phil's desperately trying to get me to go to Texas and I'm all over there. Um, yeah. So what what's the herping like in Texas? It is. It's great, man. I mean, we've got more species in Texas than anywhere else in the U.S., and that's relative. Obviously, we got a lot of space. Um, it, happen, it happens to be the largest state, you know, <laughs> exactly by long shot. Yeah. So I can't really tout that, but it's true. It's a fact. Um, so I mean, you can you can drive and find whatever, but around the Houston area, it's more of like um, a, a integrated zone of like coastal wetlands and and uh, post oak savannas and kind of swampy habitat and pine forests. There's a lot of pine stuff. So we've got a ton of diversity. Unfortunately, exactly where I'm located is like 30 minutes south of timber and pygmy rattlesnake range. It's 30 minutes north of western diamondback range. So I'm just like in this little sliver that doesn't have rattlesnakes and it pisses me off so bad. And that's how I've grown up my whole life. I, I why I chose to buy a house back where I was always complaining about, I don't know, but, um, you know, it, it's a lot of diversity in Texas. I, I've been taking some trips out West, which has been really fun. I hadn't, hadn't been able to go out there when I lived here when I was younger. So it's been super cool to get introduced to all of those Western, um, Chihuahuan desert species. And I've taken a couple rocker runs to South Texas as well. Um, nothing to complain about there you get all those like northern mexican species and speckled racers cat-eyed snakes indigos um so you know for a road trip guy it's not a bad spot to be i can i can eat a 10-hour road trip no problem (laughs) and be in good habitat absolutely i mean crap man i'm i'm in southeastern florida and just because of all the urban expansion and suburban areas I have to drive at least an hour and a half, two hours to get to any kind of legitimate wilderness. You know, yeah. I mean, there's tons of stuff in our backyard per se, but you, you, you're 10 times more likely to find it if you go to actual wilderness. So you drive in 30 minutes south or 30 minutes north. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. No, and I and like I said, I uh, I picked a spot real strategically. I was like, if I'm going to buy a house, I got to make sure I've got access to 
um, to, to wildlife and to the things that I love. So it, it took me a while, but I, I landed in a great little spot and, um, yeah, I'm backed up to a big nature preserve with a Creek running through it. And it's like I said, no rattlesnakes, but I can on any given day go and see some, some pit vipers, at least lots of copperheads. Um, and then just a ton of diversity. We got buttermilk racers and green snakes and, and all the lamper peltis, although I never fucking find them, but um, yeah, lots of, lots of diversity. But if you, you, if you ever for, think, uh, oh. I was going to say, you mentioned your speckled racer. Mm-hmm. I was looking at your photographs of the speckled racer on your Instagram at just outstanding absolutely Thanks. outstanding yeah what a fantastic species we need to tick that one off 100 100 that was the species that i'd marked in my book when i was a little kid as like the number one it, it was the best and i don't know if i would argue that these days because I'm, I'm more of a rattlesnake guy but um yeah man it, it was a childhood dream to see one of those things i i was completely stoked when i found it that's awesome. Yeah, to me, it looks it almost looks like one of the Asian killbacks. It's a really, really stunning, stunning snake. Also on your Instagram, you have got coral snakes. Yeah, that took a while, but I got them. <laughs> that is a great find. Sonoran coral. Beautiful. Yeah. Now, Phil and I have been lucky enough to see one. In we the have. World, and it was lucky enough to see one. Yeah, um, pure, pure luck. Pure luck. Uh, and it, it's just mind blown. Um, where, where, where was yours? What did you find without giving that specific site away? Uh, it was the Phoenix area. It was, it was just a little bit north of Phoenix. Wow. Oh, okay. Um, just completely stumbled on or? So I can't take credit for that one. That would be my buddy Life of Ian on Instagram, life.of.ian. Um yeah, we were just we were just poking around. It was sort of like late in the day, um, early spring. And to be honest, he was kind of up up the side of a hill looking for croats and in, in rock piles and that kind of thing. Last thing he expected to to see was a uh, coral snake on the crawl. But sure enough, he yells coral snake, and we're all scrambling up some mountainside and um passing over all the croats (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah no i don't mind a a good lapid man i i just i don't see them as much but they're hard to target so now you've seen all three u.s corals correct no i have not seen the eastern yet oh thank Um, god all right good yeah (laughs) yeah no i it looks, it may look like if you scroll through my Instagram for a couple minutes, it looks like I find a lot of coral snakes. I've seen like, what is it? Three in my entire life. Um, and they've been a real pain in the ass for me. I've got like multiple sob stories of how I almost got one or, or got one. And then when I got my camera out, it disappeared, things like that. So, um, yeah, it took me literally 25 years of my life to get a Texas coral snake. And I've been in their habitat range like my entire my entire life. Um, I've had family, friends, and people send photos of the coral snake in their backyard. And I'm just like, where are y'all finding these things, man? It's always the way. Always. <laughs> yep. yeah. I'm with you, man. Tw- 23 years, I have not found an Eastern. Dang. 
They're the they're the largest, right, in terms of size. I, I don't know. I thought Texas was. It I mean, I know, I know Sonorans are tiny. I might be getting them mixed up at the end. I mean, it could very well be. I, I've had I've had plenty of uh, people call me and come get them. And hey, is this a coral? Yes, it is. And drive to their house, and they got it in a bucket. But I've never found one on my own. Like I haven't even been with friends herping, and one of them found it. Like I can't. Like I had, that hasn't even happened. So would you count? So if you was called to someone's house and they had one in the bucket, yeah, and then you went and released it in the wild, yeah, would you not count that? Uh. As like a find during, as seeing it in person, as absolutely. Seen, as seen in situ, yeah, I'd yeah. Count that. As long I as would've... it was in habitat, you, uh, if you're releasing it in habitat, I would. I don't know, man. That's tough. That's tough. That's like when we were in West Texas. Some, some, I don't want to use the 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 bad p word, but some poachers had a lepidus in a bucket. I didn't count that. Yeah. No, but if you released it in the same habitat. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they took well, that. Don't, don't play the moral high ground with me. You was going to count the bloody iguana that was in a. I didn't know it was a zoo. Garden. I didn't know that it was a pet, and I didn't know. I thought it was native there. How am I supposed to know it was two hundred miles east of the range? <laughs> anyway, I digress. And yeah, the problem is, I never. I don't think I ever released those corals. They just came home with me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah but but back, back to Jack. Back to Jack. <laughs> um, no, I'm kind of with you, Phil. Honestly, I'm I'm sort of uh, pish posh about my like finds. If I didn't find it myself, I'm like ah, it's like half of a find. Yeah, but see, um, I'm I'm not like that at all. So like, if the three of us are out herping and you and Jack finds the coral, that counts as us as us finding the coral, yeah. right? But like, if Jack calls me and says, "Hey, man, I just found a coral in my yard. Come over and see it," and I got to drive over to his house, that 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 doesn't count. He got enough. it. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to really be like a lone wolf herper. I don't really know particularly why. Maybe I was just kind of intimidated by the whole thing and the, the knowledge and the words and lingo. So I just sort of did my own thing for the most of my life. Um, and I sort of prided myself on just going out there and grinding it out and having no help or whatever and just figuring it out. These days, I am... I'm a lot more open to just a herping with people. It's actually been really great getting to know people in the community. Um, they're not as bad as, as you think sometimes when you see somebody just getting roasted at the stake, you know, for doing something wrong or whatever it may be. Um, no, there's, there's a lot of really great people in this community. And so I've been learning a lot from them and herping with them and, um, and yeah, like sharing spots and, and going to cool places and getting showed around. So definitely more open to all that these days. So local to you, what's, what's your go-to rattlesnakes? Like tails, probably? Um, so nearest to me, like I'd say Western Diamondbacks and Timbers are kind of the more feasible for like the and then again man i i've spent a long time looking for timbers around this area and only seen one um i don't have a lot of luck with rattlesnakes in my home state which is sort of funny like i've seen so many more um out west than i have here um they're just a little harder like i feel like out west you've got some really kind of like 
understandable conditions to work with. It's like, you know, it's so hot in the desert that if any kind of weather affects it, you sort of know how, how the snakes are going to react. Whereas in Texas, water is abundant everywhere. Um, it's very humid and, and the weather just does its own thing. And the snakes are just trickier and the habitat is denser. And um, so I don't know, rattlesnakes are, have kind of been difficult for me out here, but I've, I've got a handful and I have been going out West and finding that the blacktails are, are fairly common out there. Um, seen some Mojaves recently, of course, some, some Western diamondbacks as well. I did get that red lep, which is originally, I think when we started talking, Phil, um, that was, that was a crazy one. I do the lep. I don't, lep. I don't deserve that snake. It was, it was Dude, a beauty. The, the lep, the crotalus lepidus lepidus of all lepidus. <laughs> so it really was that good then. It did. It was, it's literally as if you had taken or figuratively, excuse me, if you had taken a lepidus and just dunked it in red Kool-Aid <laughs> and then lit it on fire in in, in, yeah. in in all of its demonic glory, right? Yeah, man. It was and my lifer. Can, and you can hear the and uh, forgive me if if don't take this offense, it's a compliment. You can hear the the trem the tremor in, in Jack's voice as he's walking with it in the bite proof glove, going, I can't believe it. I, I can't I can't believe it. Like, <laughs> look at this thing. And like other people were like, oh my God. Oh my God. In the background. <laughs> I, I what I would have done to be a a Chuck Walla on the wall for that one. Dude, it was like I've I've been really excited and, and stoked for for snakes before, but I shit you not, I was like like you know those like movies where you see people do the side hug and bounced up up and down yeah. like giggling and laughing like little girls. That was me and my buddy, man. We like we'd just been grinding it out. We we had been no sleep team, just twenty four seven, West Texas all night long. That's how you do and, it? And we yeah we we'd kind of like gotten to a point where we were just stumbling and fumbling around. We had found a black tail. We were kind of carrying the team on that trip and so my buddies were photographing it and um yeah we walked off and so so what happens is is my buddy's just kind of like thumbing around he's that looks like a snake so we walked back like 30 yards to the left and he's like yeah man that thing got me so good it looked just like a snake i was like yeah dude that sucks man we haven't seen anything and then he, he takes a few steps to his right. So this was an area he just walked past. And I'm kind of like thumbing around, looking at some rocks, you know, just shining. And he's like, dude, 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 get over here. Get over here. Like, just get over here. And I know something's up, right? Like, I'm, I'm like yeah. running over. And I put my flashlight where he has his. And it takes like, you know, a half a second or whatever for my eyes to kind of realize what I'm looking at. And so like the first thought, is that's a modeled rock rattlesnake and I'm already like shitting my pants. And then <laughs> I, I look at it and realize it's like not just any modeled rock rattlesnake. It is a screamer red one and kind of the like level of happiness that hit me was just hard to manage, man. It was like just so, so exciting um, and, and such like a reward we'd we'd really been busting it out that trip and 
you know, we kind of started at first, it was like small stuff, little ring necks and garters and things and kind of puttering along. And then boom, we got a prairie rattlesnake and boom, another prairie rattlesnake. And so it was kind of like escalating. And then we find a blacktail and things are going pretty good. And, and then the model rock rattlesnake just sealed the deal. And I was like, okay, let's just go home. Like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, and I, I, I've had that moment before. I've had that moment with Nipper before when we found our Willardy, but dude, that, that, that animal is a once in a lifetime animal. Now, again, without giving away spots or anything, that was a Southeast Davis lap. Yeah. Let me think on that. I mean, like um, I said, don't, don't give too at, much No, away, yeah. But... It, that is directionally, that is correct. Okay. South, just, just going off of color, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because dude, all that all that rock out there. Um, I can't remember. I, I want to say it's igneous, but it's very slaty gray on the outside, very very um, sandy on the outside. But when it gets cracked or chipped on the inside, it's blood red. Mm-hmm. And dude, those those laps. Oh man. Yeah. No. I. I. What was what was funny is you know you'll scan through iNaturalist sometimes just to kind of see what's out there and. Sure. Of course, people always post the best of the best, right? And right. and when we like compared what we saw to the 80, 90 iNaturalist sightings in that area, we were we were seeing some some really great snakes, man. Some very red lepidus, and ours was easily in the top three or five of, of you know that whole like. And so again, like I didn't deserve that snake, man. I I there have been people out there looking their whole lives and. Uh, it's you know, you, you might never come across right an individual time, like that. What it is. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Here, it I'm was actually... gravid, too. It was, it was really a big, big gravid female. We let her go. I came back later, um, a few weekends later, just poked around the same area, thinking maybe I'd get lucky with some babies. But yeah, there it yeah, is. Yeah, there's the video. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> what, what do you think? Are they hex armor gloves? Um, so Venom that, Venom that Venom snake Venom. bit, bit the gloves. So it worked. <laughs> um, I, those aren't my hex gloves. It's a buddy of mine. Um, he, he brings them along. They're, they're kind of nice for like talus slides and, and screech slides and things where you're sort of like trying to deal with with small bodied rattlesnakes in rock piles that can easily kind of like dip off. It's honestly, in my opinion, a little bit of like a safer way to do it for the snake and for you. Cause you know, you're not worrying about clamping down too hard on tongs or tweezers or anything. And if it's a real small snake, um, you can kind of hook it and then just, you know, tail it with that, um, with that hex glove and you, you're pretty much covered and, and, uh, yeah, like I said, I've I've seen it. I've seen him take a few bites with the hex glove, and I myself have as well, and they work. So I don't have them. I actually don't even know where he got them. Um, but one of these days, I'll probably get a pair of my own. Yeah, the um, I, I the hex armor ones. Not I personally have not played with Venom Defenders, but the hex armor ones, I've messed around with them, and I I personally find them way too cumbersome and clunky for. Mm anything in captivity for me at least um gotcha. but in the field doing like what you did in the video where you basically tweezered it or hooked it and you're just holding it in your hand so that you can get good photos i don't think there'd be a problem with that however i do have a friend who and obviously this is 
case by case basis who put water balloons in one and had an adamantius hit it and all the water balloons popped <laughs> so but now we're talking about a much 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 bigger snake you know yeah yeah I'll uh, I'll keep that in mind. Though. Yeah, Next like, time I, like I left like, a rattlesnake bite. Yeah, if, if, you, if you said if you said, "Hey, man, pick up this," you know, uh, lepidus or uh, hey, scoop up this sidewinder or a small copperhead, no problem. Yeah. But like, I would yeah. never use those on like an Atrox or yeah. like a big Mojo, a, a big Scutellatus. I would never do that personally. No, and it, and at that point, like it's it only travels up your forearm, maybe like a foot. So I mean, at that size, you're already taking risks just yeah. by reaching down at that thing. Yeah. Not to but, mention the fang size. But dude, like and the, the red snake against the black glove with like the car headlights, like dude, that's that's a dream right there, man. You got that's lucky. What it's all about. Yeah. I, uh, I hesitated posting that video. It was just too cool to not share. You, you have to. I, I, yeah. I, I just, I took it. I knew it was a good video. Um, and yeah, sometimes I'm a little worried about posting videos with rattlesnakes. Like I said, there's just a lot of opinions out there and I, I've recently tried to do a better job of just like, you know, I know that I'm ethical. I know that I'm out there doing the right thing. If people want to, get worked up about what i'm doing then that's that's on them but um so yeah i kind of hesitated but i was like nah man these the, the people gotta see this yeah. one this is cool freaking snake now <laughs> forgive me but have you not posted actual photos of that snake yet just the video right i have not posted photos yet i've been i've been bad about that i i uh yeah i'm i'm a busy guy and, and i like to take the time to really like go through my photos and and edit them well and uh so I haven't gotten to them yet, but I'm I'm getting there. They they probably be edited in less than a, a week or two, posted in maybe a month or two. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. So while we're, while we're talking about photos, what what kit are you using? So I have always been a Nikon guy. Okay, um, I love the fact that you use the same equipment as me, but it's Nikon. <laughs> is it like nipper <laughs> it's nikon, nikon but that yeah there's a, there's, there is canon and there is nikon and if you use canon it's basically dog shit so yeah, well done <laughs> to be honest i i sometimes wonder like you know i see some of the the work coming out of canons and i don't know man they're they're pretty crisp images but i like nikon just nikon because nikon. uh I I'm used to it. I know how to work it. And the, the durability has held up. I have never had it, had a Canon, but man, my, all my different Nikon cameras have been just thrashed and banged around and gone through some, some weather and, and uh, they've all held up. So I think I'll probably stick with them. But... I, I, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I'm, I'm only joking about Canon. My friend, Frank, um, takes pictures that I will never take anything as good as, and he only uses Canon. But I, I've used both platforms, and I think you're exactly right. When I've been in the field, Canon, the build quality just doesn't seem as good. And um, I was forever having to get repairs or replace lenses or replace the actual camera bodies. It just didn't seem to stand up, particularly in sandy sort of desert environments. It just mm. wasn't. And, you know, my Nikon, I've dropped it. It's rolled down hills and it gets slung <laughs> in the back of the car and all that sort of stuff. I don't think, personally, you could do that with Canon. I just think Nikon has just got that little bit better for field, outdoor field work. 
Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. It kind of reinforces my, my assumption, I guess. I really haven't uh, experienced a lot of Canon work, but um, yeah, that's just kind of my general impression. But I got a, I got a D500 um, sort of geared for wildlife photography. You can do real fast shutter speeds and, I've, I've messed around with the long exposure features from time to time. Um, and I've got a handful of lenses. All of them are hand-me-downs except for obviously the stock lens. Actually the whole camera was, um, uh, it was bought off somebody that had, that had used it lightly. But so that, I guess in that case, then none of it except for the zoom lens is brand new. But, um, yeah, I've got a, a, Tamron zoom lens. It's like 150 to 600 millimeters. The stock kit lens is like, uh, 16 to 80. And then I have this old beat up 200 millimeter that I never use. Um, and then a wide angle and a macro that I purchased off of, of a friend. What Um, macro are you using? Cause your macro shots are really good. Honestly, man, I don't even know. I could run downstairs and find out. I was going to ask, is it the Nikon fixed 105 macro? No, it's it's a adjustable. I know that. Or is it not, man? I this is what I mean. Like, I'm really not much of a camera guy. I uh, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I think it is fixed, and maybe I'm I'm thinking of the focus as being yeah. what the the adjustment dial. Yeah. But you say your macro shots are absolutely beautiful. I was just looking at you've got um, it's a mountain king. I think it's Sonata you've got on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, the, the other thing is anyone can get a nice picture of a snake in their collection because you can control the lighting. You, you're controlling the movement, the weather, but to get crisp macro outdoors when you're battling against lighting and you're battling against dust and you know the animal being freaked out and trying to move is so hard yeah and and some of your shots on there are absolutely crisp as really really beautiful well i really appreciate it again you know i look at some of my friends who i've learned a lot from and and seen their photography and i look at them as kind of like the the good photographers so it's it's funny to hear that. It's nice to hear that. And I, I think really for me, it's it's not that I'm per se like a, a good photographer or that I know all the equipment and, and what to do in certain situations. I'm really just a trial by error and kind of like hunker down. And I don't mind getting dirty and laying in the ground and, and uh, you know, crawling up into weird spots to get to get the shot I want. Um, maybe, I, maybe I'm creative or good at framing the shots uh, might i have think a good eye for yeah. that but as far as lighting and stuff man i struggle it doesn't look like you're struggling i've got to be honest <laughs> um but i think you're absolutely right i mean you can know every you know you can know every iso every f-stop but if you haven't got a good eye for a picture your pictures aren't going to be great yeah. and i think some of it is setting the animal up and some of it is choosing the right background for the animal um, and just knowing how the lighting's hitting the subject at that particular time. Yeah. And as, as I say, I, I don't know if, if you take like a million photographs and just keep one. I mean, we all take a lot of photographs, but the pictures on your Instagram, outstanding, really, really 
Lovely. Are you um, using Photoshop as an editing platform? I actually don't run any of my photos through Photoshop. Every once in a while, like I've played around with it, just trying to learn and get better and stuff, but I usually end up just sticking to Lightroom. Um, it it does okay. most of what I need it to. And, um, you know, I, I edit my photos a good bit, but I have the intention in mind of how can I make this image look like how I felt like it looked like when I saw it. Cause a lot of times yeah. you get out there, you see the snake, it's amazing. Yeah. And you take photos of it and you go back and you're like, man, this doesn't look like anything like I remember. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm not ashamed to say that I'll, you know, I'll kind of edit things a little bit, saturate things and change the lighting to, to kind of yeah. recreate what and, I saw. And that's, you know? that's, I was going to ask you that because one of my favorite things about your photos is Having having seen a lot of this stuff in the wild myself, and then having kept this stuff in my home myself, your lighting is exact. Like those animals look exactly like they're supposed to, and that's yeah. tip top, man. Just tip top. I appreciate that. That's that's a really great compliment. Because that's yeah. really what I'm trying to do. Is I, I don't want to make it look like more than what it is, right, or right. less than what it is. So I'm just kind of shooting for for doing justice to the animal, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you're always going to have those those individual specimens or e even those individual species where you can never you can never capture it. I mean, Nipper and I yeah. had Cerberus on our last trip and you know, the pictures that I took with my cell phone, the animal was jet black with the with the yellow flecking. And then our friend uh, Rob, his photos were kind of a, a matte charcoal with some white and yellow. And then you look at Nipper's photos and they were downright purple and the snake was all of those things. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, and I, I can say probably with confidence and, and nothing against Rob, but I think Nipper's purple photos were probably the closest to the real thing. But again, it, it'll, it'll never be right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just one yeah. of those things. So, but you're doing yeah. a bang up job, man. Yeah. I appreciate I think, it. I think you're right in saying as well that for me personally, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure for, for you two as well, when you're field herping, the initial excitement is I've got to find this species. That's all you're focused on. I need to find species. And then it's like a gambler. I've got to try this. I've got to try that. You know, one more rock. Yeah. One more rock. <laughs> yeah. And then you find it and there's a massive euphoria. But it's almost like somebody trying to come off crack or something and having <laughs> something else. The photographing really helps. You know, it's such a good almost a come down but you, you, you take your photographs and then you're back home and when you get that photograph that as you say looks exactly like how you saw it it's another you know it's another relation yeah. type thing i mean yeah. I was, it, this week i've been going through the utah photographs nice and i must have taken it in utah i filled a memory card so shooting raw so there was about 500 to 600 pictures and yet I only like probably 20 to 30 pictures on there wow. because those are the ones to me that really capture what it was like to see that. Yeah. Um, how, how do you get on photographing at night? Because unfortunately, a lot of the stuff we find, we're road cruising and stuff. So you're shooting at night and trying to light at night without making it just because snakes are quite glossy. Mm -hmm. but, without trying to get the reflection on is really difficult. Yeah, I 
It's it's just funny to get these questions because I, I think of myself as such like a camera idiot. Um, but I think like when I was younger, I had one of those pop-up flashes. So I really didn't have to worry too much. I just trusted the auto settings or whatever. Um, these days I have a, a transmitter that I never use because I, I never can get it to freaking work. And I think it's more just me being dumb than like a equipment malfunction. But I think sometimes the photography part stresses me out. Like I've got this snake and I feel like the, to some extent the clock is ticking. Like you don't yeah, want to just spend hours with the snake. Um, you want to get in and get out and let the snake do its thing. So the clock's ticking. I'm like stressed out. I'm fumbling through my bag, getting the things out. Um, what's worked for me is just trying to keep it simple. If I can get the, if I can get like, one controllable variable like the distance right okay like my flash is outputting the same amount of light and i'm just like okay i'm gonna move back to get the lighting i want zoom in a little further and that's good enough for me and you know i think there's there's a little bit of magic that we find when it comes to snakes in general and also photography where like just being in the right place at the right time with with the stars aligned there's something to be said about that and i think a lot of people get caught up in like the setup and getting their settings perfect and getting the the moving the snake's head to nudge it slightly in one direction to make it look perfect if you just kind of get out there and let the snake do its thing and let it get comfortable and you end up with some different yeah. shots some oh, interesting great. shots you know yeah um yeah instead of the same kind of cookie cutter of like the same exact sort of profile for sure. Um, so I just, I, man, I really just go out there and figure it out. Like I, I, I'm not an expert. I don't really, um, pride myself on any bit of knowledge or, or anything like that, but I can promise you, I, I bust ass and I go out there and just, I do my best. You know, I just try to make it work with what I've got. Um, so flash wise, I mean, to answer your question about like night photography, um, I've got that TT one eight something flash. And most of the time it's just mounted right to the top. Um, I have used the transmitter and, and it works when I've got it going, but, um, I've, I've used socks for diffusers. I've used <laughs> t-shirts for diffusers. Plastic I don't have a diffusers. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, uh, I borrowed diffusers from my friends, you know, so just kind of like whatever's working. Um, to be honest, I, I definitely prefer daytime photography. Um, it's just yeah. less equipment to work with. And if you can get it at the right time during the sunrise or sunset, those, those types of images are, are just hard to beat. hundred oh, percent. Some of the, some of the lighting in when we was in Arizona and when we were in Utah, Oh, man. The, the lighting just before sunset, it, it looks like you put an effect over the picture, but yeah. it's, it's natural lighting. It's incredible. It's, it's just a different atmosphere. Yeah. Just looking at your um, Willa Die picture when it's uh -huh. head on. That's a stunning. That's it's a really a, I great was literally gonna, I was going to bring that up too because <laughs> I, obviously, so you've you've got Willardy, you've got Clobs, you've got Leps. Do you did you get Price Eye? No, dude, no. And I, I want. I've tried for him twice. I've been buzzed by one, and that little sucker just dipped out. I didn't even get eyes on it. I just know. I, I heard the buzz scrambled around you you know i was just looking in all directions and it was it was probably deep in a rock pile um 
but yeah, that's, that's the big montane species that I got to knock out. Um, I, I, I regard them very highly. I don't know what other people think about them. Sometimes I hear, I hear people calling them like night snakes and shit, but to me, anything that's unique is cool so like the highest elevation rattlesnake species there's something to be said about that and just the way that you go out to hurt for them is so cool you're like scaling along the side of some peak you know some mountain peak you know looking for this rare species that only exists in this unique habitat like to me it's just the coolest thing ever so i really want to get one of those um it just hasn't happened yet I'd, i'd like to do a trip one of these days and just target them but hasn't as it just hasn't happened. No, that is uh, that is on the cards for Phil and I. That is our white whale. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice for how, sure. How many times have you guys tried for him? Oh, we've I've only been one trip. Yeah, we did, we did try hard for it. <laughs> yeah, we, one one trip, but uh, multiple locations over multiple days and, <laughs> and the entire the entirety of the day. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's rough. That's rough. Did you get any bycatches or anything at least? Oh yeah, we we uh, yeah. yeah we saw we saw other things, but yeah, I mean, just as you're so right, the actual effort that's required. I mean, you can't. It's not something you can road cruise or anything like that. You right. you, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you've got a long walk in at altitude, and you're going to be up stupid early because you want to be up at, up to altitude at the right time, and yeah. the habitat is so difficult because, as you say, it's it's talus, so. Mm-hmm. You've got to be really lucky, um, but yeah, we've, we've, we've tried hard. <laughs> yeah, but and like not to not to make us sound like like morons, but we did get seven species of crotalus in seven days. So like nice. we did pretty Can't good. Yeah, but we, but but we got to go back for that little blue bastard. Hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Now, I feel the same way. Have you uh, have you thought about getting obscurus at all or no? Remind me again. The, uh, I'm the pretty other, bad at my. The other ridge nose. Oh yeah, yeah. So the New Mexico ridge nose. Um, I'd like to do it, man. It's to me like before I die, I want to make sure I've seen every rattlesnake. I know the taxonomy is always changing, but I really would like to be able to say at some point I've seen every subspecies yeah. of rattlesnake. Um, so certainly that's on the list. I just really haven't found myself out there in a convenient sort of time, and I don't know many people that are out there to like go visit for any good reason right um so it'll probably be one of those deals where i do a road trip to arizona and on the way back i'm like fuck it let's just give it a shot you know (laughs) yeah yeah that's awesome yeah but yeah i think i don't know man i couldn't even compare the two they're both so cool um yeah but they're they're definitely something i want to see See, also, I'm just as we're talking, I'm just looking through your pictures and hating you. Um, <laughs> the red diamond that's a stunner as well, yeah, yeah, man. That was my that is almost my lifer because the only one I'd ever seen prior was this teeny little itty bitty baby, um, which was great, but it's it's nothing like seeing a big old full size red diamond yeah, out basking. Right. We actually saw multiple out basking. That is uh, that is really high on my list. I, like yourself, my intention um, when I finish European list, hopefully next year, I should have hopefully seen everything in Europe. Is just to nail all the rattlesnakes. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm trying to think how many I've got on the minute. I think ten or eleven. Okay, you're up there. Okay, there. Um, 
hopefully uh, more when we finish the Florida trip in October. And then back to Utah to, to do the ones we missed in Utah. But yeah, the Red Diamond is way up there on my list of things I want to see. Stunning. Absolutely stunning. That's interesting. I, I never, in all honesty, they didn't stand out to me. I kind of looked at them as like a cooler Western Diamondback. Um, but, man, I can appreciate your appreciate, appreciation for them. They're, uh, they're definitely cool snakes. And they're big, man. I, I don't yeah. I don't uh, scoff at any big rattlesnake. They're, anything that's big and has rattle is going to be impressive to me. Yeah. For sure. Oh, 100%. Or little. I'm super stoked to see pygmies in Florida. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I I just uh, I just did my first North Florida trip. Well, I've been to Florida, but it was the first time I'd, like, really hit it hard for herping, um, at least in the north. And that was, like, the number one for me was I just wanted to see any cisturus. Um, I'd never seen any of the pygmies or, or any of the sagas, so – Man, I was pumped. We we saw two dusky pygmies. I got some great photographs of them, and uh, yeah, yeah, the pygmies are so cool. And like like you said, small rattlesnakes. I mean, some of them are the coolest, honestly. Yeah, and and dusky is the best. You think so? Uh, Hands down. Those just, red Carolina pygmies. Uh, Strecker Stre- is the best. No, no. Look, red Carolinas are gorgeous. Strecker is gorgeous, but. The the slate blue back color with the rusty saddles and the black dots <laughs> of the dusky is just it's hard to argue with that. It's hard to it's argue. Hard to argue with it. Yeah, nice, but my striker eye bright pink. Come on. Uh, I don't know, man. The westerns are are like to me the more impressive find. I think they're harder to find. So in that regard, there'd maybe be like the one I would pick if I had to choose <laughs> that is a nice thing that's nice yeah. he's showing us i mean to find that in the wild i mean oh, it's, mate. I it's in the be, it's in the room next to me it had to be yeah i will be giddy if i find one in florida yeah yeah especially since on our on the end of our trip we're going to be in that spot where all the weird aberrant ones are oh that's, awesome. that's going to be crazy that's cool, that's cool. Well, speaking of that, uh, do you keep any herpetoculture at all? Yeah, it's funny you ask, man. I used to be, I used to kind of, I wouldn't say I was against it by any means, but I just wasn't interested in it for the longest time. I kind of just enjoyed seeing snakes in the wild and, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't something that appealed to me too much, but of course, throughout the years of just being the snake guy that all my friends and family know about what happens is people just pawn their snakes off on me. Uh, <laughs> so okay. I, uh, I, I say it like it's a bad thing. I actually, I've got a little surprise for you at the end of this little segue, but um, so I, I started off just getting hand-me-down snakes. I ended up um, with a couple of California King snakes. And then a buddy gave me a, a Sonoran liar snake. He, his collection nice. got too big. So I was pretty pumped about that. That's a cool snake to have. And then um, a friend of mine left Coast Herpin on Instagram. He had his own little project going on where he took the California king snakes found in San Diego, right? And he didn't actually go out and collect them, right? But just conceptually, you know, they have that stripe, the San Diego stripe, right? Yeah. So it's a black snake with a white stripe. Right. What he did was, was reversed it. So he's got a white snake with a black stripe. 
Well, that's cool. super cool. He gave me one of those just as a kind gesture, and I gladly took it in. And nice. then um, two more snakes, the the two more exciting ones. One is a reticulated python. A work guy was like, yeah, man, it got out. My wife was pissed at me, and she's thinking about, you know, getting rid of it. I don't know what to do. It's It's like six feet, eight feet, and I'm just like, oh, gosh, all right. Let me take it. You know, it's a it's a <laughs> bit of a project and, and a handful. But the last thing I want is, you know, somebody releasing a snake or something. Not not to say that that guy was going to do that, but yeah, but um, still better better to be in your care than just dumped on someone's doorstep. Exactly, or in the wrong yeah. hands with somebody that just is right. like overwhelmed by it. Um, yeah. and, and man, I mean, that snake's a serious freaking snake. Like, I don't really get afraid of snakes these days, but like something about the size of that snake, man, when I go in to do stuff in the cage and, and like when I, when I handle it, um, it's not odd for it to strike at me every now and again. So it does get a little nerve wracking when you're handling it. And it's just like swimming up the side of your body, sniffing your head. And it's like, Ooh, I don't know, buddy. Just be careful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, so the one I think you guys will like the most, this is a completely compulsive decision that happened not yesterday, but the day before, um, I went ahead and picked up a blue Insularis, um, my first hot snake. It's a little baby right now. I'm just, that's uh, a very hot snake for your first hot snake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, it's the, um, so maybe I got bad information, but the guy that, that sold it to me was saying that. This this um, subspecies is is a lot mild, and like the white lips that are on the the mainland. Um, um, in you, Asia, it's, <laughs> it's supposed to be more like no, no, not, <laughs> no. not at all, man. So, like completely the reverse. So, the blue insularis is if so. The talking... Komodo Island, like yeah. lesser. So those are more, yeah, more way venomous. more, yeah. way oh, more. Shit. So yeah, I was under the impression a... this thing is like a copperhead bite or something. No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, 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 uh, I, I got to talk and brush over this this topic again with the guy. No, I think he's a good guy. I I, I wouldn't. Yeah, uh, maybe it was a misunderstanding or yeah, something. Yeah, we, but... we could talk more about it off ca- off camera and <laughs> yeah, kind of go from yeah. there. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah. No, mate, that's hot as fuck. Yeah. Look on the bright side, though. Uh you have, Absolutely yeah look, look on the right side of is yeah. husbandry is 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 fairly simple nothing that you can't do uh handling mm-hmm. you've probably handled worse animals in the field um sure. and but at the same time the anti-venom for that is comparably re- relatively inexpensive and you don't need much of it to help you um well that's good to hear because that being said i'm gonna say like there is no anti venom in the U.S. or something. No, no, there, there, there is, and 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 it's very it usually. I mean, I don't. Again, this is anecdotal, and don't take this to heart. But most people receive, you know, less than eight vials, less than five vials of it. I mean, some you've heard cases of like one vial saving someone, but at the same time, that shit will knock you on your ass. So. <laughs> I'm glad we did this yeah. because uh, not not that I would be you know not careful in the right, first place, right. but yeah. um, it's good to know. Good to know what I'm dealing with. Yeah, um, I mean, it is an absolutely stunning snake. I mean, as so far cool. as far as venomous snakes go, 
it is right up there as one of the most, in my humble opinion, it's one of the most beautiful banana snakes. That entire genus is so cool. Um, and it's, it's hard to even pick like what the coolest is, but a blue snake, man, that's just not a color you see often in the wild. And it's also the fact that they're found on the same Island that the Komodo dragon from. There's so many reasons why that's just a lovable species, man. They're, they're yeah. just, I mean, I, I, I've in, in the past, and I've, honestly, like I said, I've kept a lot of trims in the past. Um, but I always shied away from the insularis purely because they're quite hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, they I also should keep this, just, keep this info shoot. away from my mom. She just had like the lecture about how it's bad to do this, and I was like, ah, that's fine, mom. Yeah, it's fine, Mom. Mom, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, a venomous snake is a venomous snake. It's true. Yeah, you're not yeah. gonna get, you know, you're not gonna get bit, so yeah. it doesn't matter. Exactly, and and you could you could have anaphylactic reaction from the most mild thing on the planet. You could, yeah, from a honeybee. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. foreign protein is foreign protein. Um, I will say this though, just for your husbandry aspect, um, they get way bigger than people think. So hmm. it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be like your retic or anything, but yeah. as time goes on, it, people think, Oh, it only gets like 10 inches. And no, I've seen almost three foot ones. So okay. just, just be mindful that it, that was it does about get what I bigger. expected. Okay. I, I, I was told two feet, uh, or at least that's what Google told me. Um, so, okay, that's good. won't have like a massive, massive yeah. snake on my hands. Yeah. They yeah, that is so hilarious. They could also be quite feisty as well. Very much so. Very spunky. Yeah. He's a little fidgety. I mean, I, I, um, I, I threw some uh, some mouse feet in front of him just to see what he'd do. Uh, it's probably getting there to where he's settled in enough for me to actually tr- properly try feeding him. But um, yeah, he's a little little fidgety, man. A little squirmy and kind of more than I expected, but. Um, I'm I'm excited, man. I, I'm not too worried about it, even after hearing that apparently. What's funny is like the reason why I I got this snake was I thought oh, okay, it's not like worse than a rattlesnake or anything, so it's different. That's, that should yeah. be fine, you know. Yeah. So it's just kind of hilarious that uh, you guys are telling me quite the opposite, but I'm I'm not sweating it too much. Yeah, um, obviously, I mean... I'll have to be a little extra careful, but. Yeah. Um, still a venomous snake. I still knew what I was getting into when I got it. Um, so Technique, nothing the, the really techniques changed. Techniques will be the same whether yeah. it was exactly whatever, whatever it was. It's all the same technique, and you know, you should take the same level of care with a I don't know dendrophilia as you would with a tight band. It's yeah. you know, as Phil said, venom's venom. It, it, so yeah. nobody wants to get bit. So. You know, yeah, and pl- please don't think that we're we're upset or shaming you or anything. No, we're no, it's awesome. No, it's it's no. absolutely awesome. It's just it's funny to us that someone would actually tell you that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I gotta like I said, I gotta kind of I I just want to touch base with this guy again and see if he really if it was a misunderstanding or if he maybe um, maybe he doesn't know fully. I I don't know. You you would expect he would know, um, but I'm glad we had this conversation. I'm not like totally embarrassed i'm just glad that i know now yeah <laughs> and, and uh yeah and you've, you've handled way worse toxic stuff i mean like mojaves and yeah. ruber and all that Sonor- stuff. sonoran 
yes corals and stuff yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's it's a it's a cracking addition to any collection that i mean absolutely, absolutely. beautiful gotta be honest i like the yellow ones as well it's, i i think they're great too they're actually i think more super, rare in the states right as yeah, su- yeah. super hard super hard to get really underrated uh, yeah super hard to get because everybody obviously just wants the blue ones and breeds the blue ones mm-hmm. um, wow that's awesome yeah. yeah yeah so i i don't really know where i'm going with it to be honest like i don't see myself as being the guy that has a collection of 60 snakes or whatever but you know man i if i catch another itch like i did the other day and just have to have to have one and that keeps happening once a year <laughs> you never know <laughs> well um, i mean it's a fantastic start to a venomous collection it, it really is i mean it, you can never go yeah, wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think I'll probably max out at a few. I want to get a crow. I, I'm probably thinking white speck. Uh, maybe it's nice. a little cliche, but no. I, I just I have a a personal attachment to those things. Some great memories with them, and uh, and they're just man. I don't care what you say. Those are some of the coolest rattlesnakes oh, in the, yeah. ever. You know, just if I, ever. if I saw a proper white. Hanuman in the wild I would oh. I just don't think I'd leave the spot I think I'd just sit down and be watching it constantly yeah that's just it your, your trip your trip is a success regardless what yep. day you're on yeah 100% yeah. all it takes is one and you're happy yep yeah. yeah superb that's cool I look forward to seeing your vivarium set up with the with the blue and Solaris yeah I feel I've like got... that's such a great species to decorate and mm-hmm. yeah vivscape or whatever you want to call it yeah Yeah, i usually i'm pretty like just in general i'm a pretty simple guy i don't have a lot of like flashy fancy items but i think for the the setup for this snake i'm gonna i'm gonna go all out i mean it's gotta look it's gotta be impressive right you want people to walk up and go holy shit and whoa what is that you know yeah have you thought about a a setup as it's getting bigger are you gonna go exoterra or are you gonna go make something yourself or you're going to go wooden viv or how what's what's your style um you know black box cages i forget the name it might be that um but what i had in mind was one of those black box um i don't know if that's a brand or whatever but yeah okay okay so what i pictured was a a black cage with the swinging door um i don't know what do you guys recommend for that i i've kind of been pondering what's like the safer easier way for hot snake is it is it those swinging doors that open like a hinged door or do you guys like the ones you pull from the top and pull downward it's it comes down to personal preference with that one um because they are relatively stationary they're not really that flighty you can kind of get away with the opening of the doors not necessarily the sliders um however you'll always remember that because it's arboreal it's like velcro man they just grab onto something and they're stuck to it and those opening doors there's always going to be a gap those those hinging doors there's always going to be a gap that they can get through and now yeah. it gets stuck and vice versa but i also like with arboreal stuff to have a somewhat removable lid so i can access the animal from the top as well but you got to remember it's venomous so now you have to have a double lid where your screen would be so that way you've got at least an inch and a half or two inches of gap 
that is a protected. So if somebody leans on the tank or somebody, you know, puts their elbow on it or you put your yeah. hand on it and the snake strikes at the heat source, it's not going to bite through the, both of the screens. So that's a good point. But I mean, nippers kept way more of them than I have. I, I, I like Exoterra, the big Exoterras, I think, for trims, because by and large, the humidity in the vivs is going to be really high. Yeah. Um, so you want something that can handle high humidity without deteriorating over time. So I quite like that. As exactly as Phil said, I like to be able, particularly if you're going to have to do something serious, I like to be able to remove the lid and come down rather than go in from the front. And obviously Exoterra lends itself to that. But as yeah. Phil says, you need a double skin um, so that, you know, there's not really any penetration through the single skin lid. Um, but I, you know, Exoterra, um, what's the other one that we I use over here? Um, Zoomed. Zoomed, yeah. Komodo. Yeah. Any of those. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Zilla makes a really nice single door. Um, our, boreal, our boreal enclosure has a nice high substrate dam. And it's a single door instead of having the doubles. And uh, I kept Propomaculata in that in multiple nice. And they even come with a plastic, like, uh, I guess it's like a cover. It's a plastic cover to, to, like, keep the humidity in. And not only does it work for doing that, but now you've just made your, your bite-proof lid. Yeah. For me, with for the Exoterras, because of the way they're constructed, um, for all of mine, I have I had glass cut. So uh, six mil glass, which drops into the natural space on top of the vivs. Um, and same thing keeps the humidity in, but there's there's nothing coming through that. Through that, yeah. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pick y'all's brains more yeah. off the air because really, yeah. I'm I'm not an experienced keeper, and I want to make sure I do this right. Um, Would you? So be yeah, going I've, I've for... got some time because it's just tiny right now. So yeah, I'll yeah. keep it in something small for the time being. But yeah, I'm definitely trying to do my research and and get something that'll be functional that'll look cool um are you going for so natural, natu naturally planted or i i do like to use natural plants um not necessarily like doesn't have to be exactly the species that the snake is you know native to or whatever but i do like uh just the concept of of having something that's alive in there with it um plant wise I've I mean, never uh, done a bioactive, but do, do you do you guys have any success with that? Do you? Uh... I, I I've got a lot of not a lot. I've got bioactive tanks. The only thing I will say is, you've got to sort of have a happy me. In my humble opinion, with venomous, you've got to have a kind of happy medium. Um, I would say naturalistic rather than bioactive because you need to be able to access the viv with hooks and be able to maneuver the snake easily with hooks and mm -hmm. if yeah if you've got this fabulous jungle scape in there it's going to look amazing but if you do need to get in remove an eye cap or whatever you've got to do or retrieve food that hasn't been eaten or whatever it, yeah you don't want too much of a, a, yeah. a happy medium between the two yeah you'll, um, you'll be really pissed when you have to rip out all your live plants because the snake <laughs> is being an utter pain in the ass yeah yeah you know, um, but I mean, I, I for when I was keeping trims, I, I all of the trims that I kept, I they was all naturally planted because I think they do really well. The, the plants bring the extra humidity and hold the humidity. Um, 
the snakes naturally just love to curl up in the middle of the plants. They feel really um, secure in there. So I think I, I see people, and I know, you know everyone's got different styles, um, but I see people, particularly in America, keeping arboreal venomous in the most sterile conditions on the as they as, as they would green tree pythons, you yeah. know, on, on the little white tubes and stuff like that. That snake's not happy. I'm sorry, but that's no, not natu- no. that's not natural for the snake. There's not the cover's not there. The actual feel for the snake to coil on a branch it is it, not like that. So I, I do, you know, I always favour natural branches and natural plants. I, I say I don't think I would go full bioactive for venomous, but I would have a natural substrate in there. Um, but I would probably every once in a while be taking the whole lot out. And cleaning rather than just leaving it to be bioactive but that's just me i mean some lot, yeah a lot of people will keep their venomous completely bioactive some will keep them completely sterile it, it's whatever works for you personally yeah but, but, you can look at it too is because it's a neonate now you've got at least five six months of the ability to keep it fairly sterile whether it be paper towels or newspaper so that you can monitor you know poop and monitor if there's any parasites or shedding issues and then while you're doing that you're a little like self-quarantine you're building the viv and because yeah. you don't want to put a tiny little cocktail straw into an exoterra where it can literally slide right through an air vent you know yeah, yeah. No, as an ad- yeah as, as an adult that is going to look stunning in in one of the large exoterras you know the 90 high yeah um, oh yeah 90 high 90 wide that's going to look incredible if you plant that out that that will look amazing yeah i feel like there's this this little trade-off i mean and you're alluding uh to like functionality but in terms of aesthetics you know you do too much and all of a sudden the snake just disappears and you, you almost can't even see yeah, the snake it, 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 yeah. and so you also don't want it to be this sterile environment either where no. you're just you're just not making this you're not enriching the, the no, life of the 100%. animal at all so there's there's a nice middle ground i think and uh yeah that's the goal i picture one maybe one live plant maybe a light vine if anything gets too thick then yeah that could probably present i mean issues. you can't go wrong just put porthos in there because it's, it's indestructible the snake can crawl over it and it's not it's not going to ruin it yeah um, yeah and if you destroy and kill the plant ripping it out who cares? It's yeah, exactly. Um, don't forget your lighting. You need to sort your lighting out. Don't be one of these people that doesn't light their snakes up properly. Yeah. LED lighting, that blue will absolutely pop. I saw oh. some YouTube video really, really pushing the halogens for Insularis. Um, to be honest, I'm not totally sure. I'm not well, totally like I, sure. I use the micro halogens on my stuff. And as long as you've got enough, like, ability for the snake to get away or get right up on it i love those microhalogens. however if you're using it as a hot spot great if you're using it to like just as lighting i would definitely not do that i would get yeah. LEDs. Mm. yeah you know in Shilaris, they don't want it super hot yep yeah, yeah i just sold like 84 at the absolute max during yeah. like the hottest hottest part of the day nice. well i was i was gonna say 85 for a hot spot but like 75 yeah. for ambient the rest of the enclosure yeah. and a, a decent night drop as well yeah for sure I'll, I'll, i'm gonna i'm i'm was scrolling through my phone looking for 
Viv picks for Tremorceris that I was going to send you. So I'll, I'll send you oh, a link. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. I'll soak up all the knowledge I can. Yeah, man. Well, you, you're doing good, man. You are. <laughs> Especially yeah. since you, you had the wherewithal to think about this stuff. Because so many people, they don't think about this stuff. They just say, oh, I'll just throw in a 10 gallon, call it a day. You can't do that, you know? Yeah, man. You see some people, and I'm not judging too much. I understand they've got a passion and they love snakes just like I do. But you'll sometimes see collections and it's just like hundreds of snakes in these like tiny, tiny little enclosures. And a lot of them is just like a water bowl and a paper towel. And that's it. Yeah. And uh, I'm not knocking it necessarily, but um, yeah, I, I this is the first time I've been like really – like so excited about a captive snake That's you know i haven't cool. ever just been like pumped like i get home and i'm like let me, good. let me walk by and just look at this guy That's cool. Um, so so with that comes i think the motivation to really like set up the coolest possible enclosure and do things the right way um i got a lot to learn so so i'll be bugging you guys no doubt 100 percent. There's, there's no dramas and think about your feeding as well they're not massive rodent feeders yeah so no, you probably don't want to go down the route of lizards and amphibians, which I get, but do think lots of avian food. Okay, that's good advice. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't heard that yet. I knew when they're neonates, um, people did have a lot of success with with the lizards and stuff. Um, but so maybe maybe some like baby little birds, huh? Button, button yeah. quail, something yeah. like that. Day old button quail. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you can buy them by the bag. I think uh, Rodent Pro does like uh, these online order things where they just have so many quail. And you can get, I think, it's like a hundred button quail day olds for like 75 bucks. Oh, that's something great. To that, something I to figured that it'd be significantly more than the rodents, but that's not bad at all. Yeah. And then you've got your Asian food markets where you can't go wrong. Yeah, frog legs, baby. You get your frog's legs. I use frog legs for so many things. Yeah, chicken hearts. Chicken, yeah, nice. exactly, yeah. yeah. Damn, I'd you guys say, are just pumping me with knowledge here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say for, for most of the trims, I never fed a great deal of rodents. It's not really their natural. Yeah, see, I, I got them on it so that I always got baby trims onto pinkies because if I, at least I knew that I had something I could feed them that was plentiful – but the goal was to get them fat on those mm -hmm. so that I can have a staple and then transition into either avian or frog legs or what have you. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, at the moment, for, for most of my steaks, apart from the, um, the kings and milks, most of my stuff is all on birds. Very rarely feed rodents now. Yeah. Um, so you guys both have, I assume, pretty pretty extensive um, collections of, of hot snakes, or is it all types, or what? Uh, I've not got so many now, because <laughs> for reasons that we won't go into. But I, I, <laughs> I, I have had reasonably large collection of yeah. venomous. Uh, Phil has got a ridiculously large collection of venomous, which <laughs> seems to grow by the day. I just, I don't know what happens, man. They just show up. <laughs> yeah, I keep getting little texts from him and go, oh my God, I've just got five of these. <laughs> well, see, that's, see, that's the problem is that like, I, I, I get an opportunity to, to get, you know, six or seven Sarasti Sarastis, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick, I'm going to raise them up. I'm going to get them good. And then I'm going to let them shed a bunch because they're all imports. 
and I'll pick out the best like 2.2, right? The best like two pairs and I'll sell the rest. No, I still have them all. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> and, and what happened yesterday, Phil? Uh, yeah, yesterday I did a, a little bit of horse trading. And uh, for those who are not frequent listeners, I'm very much addicted to Africa and all of its amazingness. And I acquired five new snakes. Um, I got two neonate Cape Puffs and two adult breeder Cape Puffs. Um, and they are stunning. They are wow. just they they are are electric. Yeah. stunning. And uh, I, I always loved high contrast with, with Bittis, whether it be a dark animal with light patterns or a light animal with dark patterns. And these are just so rich, jet, velvety black with crazy Pikachu yellow patterning. Um, and I actually thought when, I, when the picture popped up on my phone, I was it was a small thumbnail. And I looked and I thought, oh, my God, he's got Rugwinensis. Yeah. Because they the colors, are so yeah, just incredible. They, yeah, they 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 very much have that that high pixelation atheris look to them. Um, and then at the same time, while I was doing the horse trading for the puff adders, uh, I went up getting a, a Sundaval's garter snake as well. So I don't know. I, I I may be the only guy in the country with it, but <laughs> it's still cool. It's gonna rare. just add it add it to the dirt snake collection. <laughs> I was say, you you won't see it. It'll just you've got yeah. a drawer full of dirt. But um... yeah, and and I did. This is actually my first time ever handling, working with, experiencing anything in Elapsoida, which is the African garter snakes. Um, and I've 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 done my fair bit of homework, man, and it looked to be of appropriate size. So I used an appropriate size hook and I brought the tail to me and I tailed the animal and it tongue flicked and looked totally normal. It didn't twitch. It didn't jerk. It didn't flop around. It just rode the hook perfect when I tailed it. And it gave me the little, the look to the side, like, Hey human, how are you doing? You know, oh, you're my new captor. Okay, cool. And the minute it saw soil, it was <laughs> like a tarpon diving through the sea. I, it was so fast. It just went right through the soil. And this is, um, it's a jungle mix, sphagnum moss and peat moss fluffed up wet with a sprayer. And then I threw cypress mulch on top of that, just like as a top layer. And that thing cut through like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> and I was like, man, it, like imagine if it did that on the hook, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you have got some weird shit in your collection now. Oh man. TIA baby. TIA. Love that African shit. Yeah, I just don't get it. It's none of it well, interests uh, me whatsoever. Except uh, that is the only thing that I've kept really that's African. If you're not counting Egypt with the Serestes and yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. Well, I don't. I'm. I just. I really. The only thing I've got right now is I've got African venomous. I've got North American colubrids and montane rattlers. Oh, and and forgive me, Australian pythons. They're in there. Yeah. Don't don't judge me, listeners. <laughs> so yeah, we'll speak to Jack in a couple of weeks, and he'll be going. Oh yeah, I've got uh, loads of montane rattlers. Uh, got, <laughs> got some taipans because a bloke told me they weren't really dangerous. Yeah, and, <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah it, I'm not gonna lie. It's like it's one of those. 
probably probably almost like compared to like an addict who's like aware that their addiction is like creeping up on them you know it's something i've been resisting for a while like ah, i don't really need to keep snakes i'll go find them in the wild and then they just start showing up in my house yep. and then all of a sudden i here i am seeking yeah. them out and paying for them and stuff and then so all of a sudden you've got a separate building in the garden that's it <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> Oh man! And you'll be walking around. What's what do you call it? Um, B and Q. We call it here. What do you call it? Home Depot. You'll be walking around Home Depot and not be able to walk past all the plastic tubs without thinking, "Oh, yeah." Some of my buddies, it's like I think there actually is a level of too much where it's just like, how do you even run the electricity in this in this joint? Like, there's snakes everywhere. I don't know if I'll ever get uh, that big. And, you know, maybe one of these days I'll find like a wife or something. And, and um, I don't know how she's going to feel about all this shit, but we'll figure that out when we get there. You know, exactly. well, the, the trick is to find a significant other who thinks it's cool and appreciates it, respects you for your passions, but isn't necessarily deep dove in themselves. I like that take. Because yeah, both good. both Nipper and I found fantastic partners who can appreciate a snake. You know, if you hand them the snake and they think, oh, this is really cool. They love learning about it. But it's our thing. You go do what you got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Leave you be. Yeah, and they, exactly. and they respect our, our, our thing, you know? I so, think you're completely right. Like, I, I'm, I'm a social creature. And, and um, yeah, having a girlfriend is great and everything. But I think there is, like, a, a, an amount of space I need. And, like, my herping time is my – that's my time I'm to sorry. get out and just yeah. like reset I'm the sorry. clock and be be alone sometimes. And uh, yeah, if I couldn't get that alone time, it might be might be too much fun, too much uh, of seeing somebody. So I agree. I think it's nice to have somebody that like doesn't hate it. They're not repulsed by snakes. They're not always pissed off when you're going out right. and doing your own thing. But it, it, they're not there twenty four seven either. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's it's even better when when they do want to come with you they want to come along with you whether it's just road cruising or flipping stuff but it's not all the time you know what i mean and at least it i some of the best conversations i've ever had with my fiance was when we were just road cruising yeah and you know i get off work she gets off work and i you know i call her and say hey i'm out you know what do you want to do for dinner and she's like well let's just go grab a snack and we'll go road cruising no problem and like 90% 90% of the time she doesn't get out of the car because she doesn't care about ribbon snakes <laughs> and water snakes and you know blue garters or whatever but uh but the conversations we have in that time is some of the best I've ever had yeah, yeah. Cool. so talking of you're helping what's your big goals now what, what what's your species that you are absolutely choking to go and see I don't say you haven't got any because everybody's got a secret. Every herper has got in the back of their mind a little list of, I'd really want to see that. A little list? Well, mine's huge, but <laughs> mine's global. But. You know, man, that's a tough one. I, I, in general, have a lot of time making decisions, like a, a tough time making decisions. I just think everything is awesome. Um, but on this one. I'll make, I'll make it easy for uh, you then. Uh, Okay, what what's that? Top three rattlesnakes that you want to see. So in order, I gotta go. Ooh, shit! In order, um, man, 
This is a tough one. I I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying, but I'm going to start with an Eastern Diamondback. It's the largest rattlesnake we've got, you know. Can't go wrong on that. Um, I'm going to have to throw Price Eye up there in the top three. Uh, high elevation, very rare, hard to find. Um, and I may – ooh, man. Man, this is a tough one. I may kick myself for saying this later, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a Desert Mossasaga. Nice. Like nice. See nice one. They're they're just they're unique, you know. They're not yeah. uh not something you see a ton of. That's a good so, choice. Yeah. Yeah, but I think generally speaking, her herping goals, it's it's um more croat focused these days, more rattlesnake focused. I just I've come to find over the years that like I love all snakes. I love wildlife in general. Like I don't want people to think I'm only a herp person. Um, but for sure, there is something special to me about rattlesnakes and venomous snakes in general that really gets my heart pumping, gets me excited. Um, and so I think that's kind of where, where I'm going to be directing most of my focus for the next couple of years is on finding those snakes that just get me pumping. Right. Um, and goals wise, you know, I, I'm really pushing for it. I'm really trying to hopefully one day make a career out of this. It'll be in an unorthodox manner. Uh, I won't be a really an academia route. I think that ship has sailed. Um, but my goal is to continue just building my professional career and uh, putting myself in a situation where I can afford the time and, and cost to go out and do these things. And hopefully somewhere along the way, man, I just get lucky and uh, somebody offers to either pay me to do what I'm doing or I'm able to make money off of advertisements or something like that. And I can just just do this full time. I don't need a lot, man. If I could make enough to kind of get by shit, I'd be happy. Um, so that little, that goal is one that's been like, it's been out of the picture for the longest time. It's been something that's kind of like, yeah, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm going to keep posting and doing what I love, but I'm not expecting much. Um, and recently I've, I've gotten some traction, man. I've, I went from like, you know, it took, take, took me maybe four or five years to get to 4,000 followers. And in the course of like a month or two, um, popped up to almost 20 now off of like one or two videos that just happened, uh, yeah. take off and it's kind of ridiculous and i don't know what to make of it fully but like it's funny because i was just starting to give up on it i was just starting to be like well yeah i don't think this is happening i ought to just focus on work and then sure as shit i kind of got the second wind and i i kept posting on a daily basis and boom i got i got a lucky one and and uh, it gave me that motivation to like see the light at the end of the tunnel like okay maybe if i just keep posting and keep grinding and keep doing this thing um, it could work out. It could work out where I'm able to do this full time one day. For sure, man. Fantastic. For sure. I actually just going down and like it, it was, it was, I knew the moment that you blew up <laughs> and it started with the red lap. Yeah. And that red lap as of right now, I'm looking on your Instagram is at 347,000 views. After that, it was the um, I'm trying to not play the sound. It was the Aatrox on the road that sprung into action. The yeah, it was Veritas. Yeah. Oh, it was Veritas. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so the prairie that sprung into into action 
at 62,000 views. That's bad. But that red, that red croat, man, that red lep lep, 347,000 views. So you'll, uh, you get this. There's there's one with 7.1 million right now, and it's it's like almost an exact replica of that beardist one. There's two beardist videos. One was in the morning. One was in the afternoon. They're both very similar. I walk up to the snake. It springs into action. Um, but one of them, for whatever reason, caught more than the other. Um, what's funny enough, I think the lap was what really got m- me personally going. But a buddy of mine, we were just on that North Florida trip. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, it was in May and we videotaped the same corn snake side by side. We're filming the exact same snake. Okay. I have like a side profile view. He's doing a head on view and I post it maybe like 30 minutes or an hour later, he posts his video, similar captions, nothing, nothing too different. All of a sudden I noticed like five new followers, six new followers, 50 new followers. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? So I look at the video and it's got like 5,000 views or something, which to me at the time, I was like, holy shit, okay, this video's taken off. That's why I'm getting all these followers. Well, I come to find out my buddy, Justin, his Instagram is uh, Wall. Um, He's on TikTok as the Red Bearded Herper and and, uh, Facebook. I think it's, uh, he just changed the name. Pardon me. But anyways, so he, um, he posts the same video. And it gets 245 million views. It goes <laughs> fucking viral. And so I get like a few wow. thousand followers just by association. I was just tagged in it. Right. And so that was sort of for me, what kind of reminded me, like there's all, obviously the sting of like, dang, I was that close. But at the same time, it's like, it's like, Hey, this can happen. You know, I, I just watched it happen and I was right there for it. You know, I was just it's wild. It's, yeah, it's interesting looking, what the algorithm picks up. You know, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm looking at his, I'm looking at yours. And there's like, you said a lot of the same things I could not, at least on my view, you didn't, there was no other video besides that red lip. That was that, that was that many views. Uh, maybe I'm looking at it wrong or maybe. It, um, I, I might've pinned it to the top. It okay. Let me, let me see if it's at the top. Um, and then. Sorry, I'm getting feedback from my. Uh... Oh yeah, seven point one million. Wow, that's madness. wow. That's like ninety percent of the reason why I I have grown so much in the last couple of months. That's crazy, man. Yeah, it just kind of takes one, one video. The the trick is keeping the momentum. Like as soon as that happened, um. You know, I didn't slow down. I just kept posting and uh, I'm hoping that I'll catch another lucky break and maybe eventually be in a position where I can start throwing my weight around, talking to brands and and seeing if, you know, there's mutually beneficial. I was talking to a light bar company saying, hey, you know, I know I know I'm not your normal target market. I'm not a car guy. My followers aren't car guys, but you got a lot of people that spend all night long road cruising for snakes that would probably be interested in seeing. Uh, a light bar set up and seeing how it affects the the snakes out on the road. So, you know, I don't want to get like, I don't want to sell out. Right. I don't want my Instagram to just be a bunch of like ads and stuff. That's, that's not what I'm going for, but I do think it's fair to try to take the opportunities you've got and, and uh, make something out of it. You know? Yeah. 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 Just, uh, just don't be the, the douchey guy. That's like, look at this corn snake. Isn't it amazing? 
man, yeah. it's, it's tough because you see guys go out and they just do what is obviously going to get the most attention. Yeah. And it's rarely what is like ethical or, or just like, you know, you just know that it's like not what you should be doing. It's just and cringy, you, see, you watch cringy. them just make it and they, they get all the viewers, they get all the traction. It's just like, it's tough sometimes sitting back and trying to do things the right way. Um, and yeah, I was really thankful that I kind of got a lucky break. The snake did the, the snake did it all for me. It did all the crazy shit. I didn't have to say anything or do anything or, yeah. or freak the snake out. It just reacted the way any rattlesnake would. Um, and Veritas are just, they're poppy. They're, they're fiery little fuckers and um, caught the attention of a lot of people. So it was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it, the sad part about it is reading through the comments. I've never like really been faced with the reality of just how much everybody hates snakes. And it was like kind of sad just to read through and watch. And that's why I think it took off is there's so much argument in the comments about like, kill it. No, don't kill it. Murder it. Like it's just so much black and white and so much misinformation. And I did my best to kind of like be positive and respond to a few comments, but man, it's just, some people aren't going to change, you know? Mm -hmm. Nah. But you're killing it, man. Yeah. It. Regardless, regardless of the followers, regardless of the likes and the comments, you're absolutely slaying it. And it's awesome. I appreciate it, man. That's that's what it's all about, first and foremost. Um, that'll never change. Like I'm gonna be out here doing this regardless. I've always been doing it. Oh um, yeah. So it's cool. It's it's just happy to celebrate uh a small win where for once like me spending all my time and money looking for stakes it actually looks like it it might possibly potentially yeah. maybe one day possibly pay off but uh, for sure we'll man for sure awesome yeah. well hey man where can people get a hold of you or see these photos we've been talking about obviously instagram yep that's my main platform is road trip monster one word on on instagram um I have recently expanded out into I, I've re re uh, invigorated the old YouTube channel that I used to have called TX Herper 161. I changed the name to Road Trip Monster, but I've heard that it's hard to find me that way. So TX Herper 161 is my YouTube deal. Um, you'll see some old videos from my old herping days like 15 years ago, and then you'll see some new shorts. Um and then, yeah, I'm also on TikTok as Road Trip Monster, and nice. uh, I have a Twitter. I think I've posted like twice on it. Um, so also Facebook, yeah, Facebook is one that I've I've really neglected every platform except for Instagram. So I'm trying to kind of branch out into other ones. So yeah, man, glad you asked. Awesome, absolutely awesome. Yeah. It was great meeting you guys. You guys are are really really cool individuals, and I hope that. If the stars align someday, we can get out in the field and poke around. Oh, mate, Absolutely. I think that's a given. Just before you came on, Phil and I were talking about we must go back to – oh, Phil's been. I haven't been. must go to Texas to uh, oh, man, please. see some snakes. I haven't yeah, seen – I really want to see – one of my most wanted is to see the, the black tail rattlesnake. They're um, really cool, man. I forgive my oh, – my brain's gone dead. Which one's on Narcissus? That's the one in Texas. That's yeah. the one in Texas. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the one best. I haven't. I haven't seen that one, so that's the one I need to see. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah man. The the hills of Sanderson call to me. Oh man, it's great out there. It's really like a 
it's just a different style of herping. And uh, yeah, if you guys ever go out there, let me know. Um, oh, don't feel um, obligated either. I know there's probably a lot of people you know and a lot of a lot of things you you want to do and see. And um, but if you're ever just in my neck of the woods, or or if the the timing works out, just just let me know, man. I'm yeah, pretty uh, pretty spur of the moment. Hundred percent. Yeah, man. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Nice. Well, this has been episode 17 with The Road Trip Monster. I'm Phil Wolf, and as always, we're joined by Nipper Reed. Look at him in all of his glory, his cute little headphones, and his cup of tea. It's very late here. It's all right for you. It's probably like mid-afternoon for you. For me. Yeah, yeah, you got to go to bed. You got to go to bed. It's getting on for midnight over here, and some of us work hard for a living. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Don't you, there's a shovel that's missing its leaner somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but yes uh, yeah just a huge thanks to jack for for coming on literally loving what you're doing loving your photographs and your, your youtube stuff thank you to phil for putting up with me as always uh folks thank you for joining us you could be listening to any podcast but you chose to listen to us so we're extremely grateful for that please like and subscribe send put a nice review down if you've got time and for God's Please. sake, follow Nipper on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. This bloody young man here has got millions of followers and I can't even get over a thousand. So, um, oh, sort it out, folks. Yeah, and and all, all, all joking aside, if you are listening to this podcast, Please follow the podcast's Instagram. It's yes. Venom Exchange Radio. So <laughs> I, yeah. I was actually shocked to find out how many people listen to the show and didn't even know we had an Instagram. It's like, well, how did you find out about anything? I only put I don't it up get there. Because you're so active on Instagram. I try to be. So many yeah. Stuff. You did really well. I don't yeah, they, I don't they don't care. I don't, I, don't, I don't use the TikTok beats. That's why. No, I'm just old. I don't get it. All right. But thank you very much, folks. Yeah. And we will speak to you again shortly. You'll be safe out there. Thanks, y'all.